Welcome everyone to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. Bonjour, Kyle. Bonsoir. What does that mean? Bonsoir. Bonsoir. Good soir. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, America. Uh, You dumb bastard. Yep. Gotta love it. That good old-fashioned American ignorance. Good old-fashioned American ignorance. Goes well with apple pie. Don't wanna be an American idiot. Fuck that band. Yeah. I mean, you know, Dookie's okay. That album was pretty sweet. You know what? Listen. Banat. Good shit. I'm having trouble trying to sleep. We're not singing on this motherfucking podcast. It could be a music podcast. Could be. Listen, I I like Green Day as much as the next guy. They no, they, I don't really. they were the entry level um they were the gateway drug to punk rock for me. Yeah. And they were for lots of people. They got some songs, but largely I do not like Green Day. And mostly it has to do with their politics. Oh yeah. And and I don't really like that American idiot onward. I don't really dig the music either. Mm. So. I, I agree actually with that, but that might have something to do with me not following new music very much and just being overly critical. I'm, I'm with music. I'm such a overly critical guy right away. Like my yeah. instinct is to be overly critical. You know, uh, have you, do you listen to Spotify music on Spotify very often? I don't listen to music anymore really at all. Really? Yeah. That's crazy, dude. I, fuck, that's insane to me. The only time that, <laughs> it is insane, uh, because I would just rather hear people, I'd, I'd rather hear a conversation than than somebody singing most of the time, and I go and I'll get in my wife's car. There'll be music on, and like yeah. if I'm driving, I turn it off immediately. That's my, that's my instinct. I turn off the music immediately. That's I'm like my dad. Yeah. I'm like my dad now. Turn off the goddamn music. I still listen to a lot of music, not as much as sometimes in my life, but uh, uh, on Spotify they do this thing called Wrapped, and they tell you. Um, like all the stuff that you listen to in the year, uh, like that they give you your top five songs that you listen to. All five of mine were Tool songs. <laughs> nice, yeah. nice. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I should I should have mixed some other things in there, but um, yeah, sure. I was just curious if if you got one of those, if you had looked at it, but if you didn't listen to music, no. uh-uh. you know, I wonder if it gives me my top podcast listens. It does. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it yeah. Does. That, that'll be interesting to look at. Yeah, it's Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson is what it is. Pretty but. much straight through. <laughs> I'm wearing $50 socks. What? Right now. Baller. And I'll tell you why. Well, I, I, it's easy to make really imp- bad impulse decisions when you're when you have Amazon on your phone, and you know that's the reason why Amazon is so is, has making so much money because oh, yeah. they facilitate impulse purchases. And uh, I told you before, but I have, as I'm getting older, have a pronounced like um, preference for quality. You know, like things that are made really well appeal to me like crazy now. Yep. And clothes in particular, and especially wool clothes. Uh, so I just have developed. It all started. It all started when I 
when I decided that I was, I was going to start hunting again. And then I went to, we talked about L.L. Bean already. I went to L.L. Bean and I bought some wool pants, some lined wool pants that were insulated. And they're amazing. Like I can't wear them out, but in the woods, they're amazing. Um, and the wool sweaters and stuff. So anyway, I, I decided, because my wife has also decided she likes my wool socks. So now I'm, I'm suddenly I have less wool socks in my drawers than I should have. Bullshit. And I'm like, WTF, yeah. you know? So I went on Amazon, and I'm looking for wool socks. <clears throat> I find a pair of alpaca socks, so I, I bought those guys. And then I found these ones, and they were, and they were like a little bit down the list. The cool thing is uh, I found out the company, or the, at least the uh, distribution area, is in Columbus. Oh, yeah. Because I, I noticed that the area code of the customer service number or whatever was a Columbus area code. What's the company called? See, I wish I had that lined up. Uh, uh, but if you just if you just go to Amazon and you search Austrian wool socks, they're going to pop up. Oh, it's Austrian, huh? And this is the thing about them. They were like, when I came, they're thick. You can tell they're heavy, they're thick, thicker than the other wool socks. Even the expensive alpaca socks, they're they're thicker. And they're like woven like a sweater kind of and they're hard to get on it felt like i was trying to put on a canvas sock like i was trying to put on a shoe basically and i got them on and they're a little tiny bit itchy but they're so awesome first of all they're the slipperiest slidiest socks on the wood floors you can just slide that's fun secondly sounds dangerous they're kind of because they're thick they kind of feel cushioned it almost feels like i'm wearing slippers and um the like it came with like a little brochure that was talking about the company and how they make them. And they said, this is how they make them in the, in the mountains in Austria. This is how they've done it traditionally for a long time because you got to be, got to be warm in the mountains. So they take the wool thread and they, th- they, um, I don't know what the word is. They kind of like layer it and layer it and layer it. So it's really thick. But then they boil it and that shrinks up the wool. They make sock soup. And they make sock soup. And what you end up with then is this really dense, thick wool. And there, I've never felt anything like it. I'm not saying they're the most comfortable socks in the world, but the quality of them, like these are like, <clears throat> they're amazing. Yeah. They're amazing. I'm looking at them right now. I'm like, you're worth every penny. Socks. <laughs> that's, uh, that's interesting. I don't, it's interesting to me that you value these socks so much, but they're not comfortable. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a funny thing, and it's like, so she, my wife bought me, I don't know why we're talking about socks, my wife bought me these socks from a, from a, this grocery store, right, it's like a discount grocery store, and sometimes they have discount merchandise in these socks that are the worst socks, they, I think they're made, they feel like they're made from canvas, they're not comfortable, they're not even shaped like a foot, they don't even have a heel, it's like a straight line, these socks, they're like, they're like third world socks. Third they're, world they're socks. They're gray and they have a little red stripe at the top. Anyway, she, uh, I, she bought them or I bought them one time because it was like two bucks. And they were uncomfortable as all hell. And I, and I loved them. I couldn't tell why I loved them. I just loved them. There's something about me now at this stage in my life that wants a little bit of suffering. You just pepper in a little bit of suffering and I, it just makes it better to me. I don't know what it is, man. You're a weird guy, Ace. Psychoanalyze me right now. What do you think, what do you think the deal is? <laughs> Um, I don't know. I'm not good at that kind of shit. I kind of think that psychoanalysis is uh, fake. Mm, that's a that's a good topic to talk about. Yeah, I think we've talked about it a little bit before. I shouldn't say that it's fake. I mean, I think that I think that there are some people who are I don't know insightful. 
But I think a lot of it is bullshit, to be honest with you. Mm. I think a lot of it is just like you go to a, a doctor and they're like just giving you their opinions. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I agree with you there. But I and I'm not. I don't think that there's like magic to it. You know, the way that some people do is like interpreting dreams, kind of magic. Yeah. Um, because you can think about someone like um, the Ghost Whisperer. What was that guy's name? I don't know. John Edwards. John Edwards. Yeah. You can think about someone like that, who who's really has a, a really keen observer of body language and the audience and he can play on all those cues and make it really convincing you could do that as a psychologist sitting someone down on the couch True. and yeah. you could do that same spiel and you could seem insightful and you might actually really help people i think john edwards actually fucking helps people you know even though it's all nonsense as far as i'm concerned but but when it comes to psychoanalysis i i honestly think what that boils down to is a sufficiently objective friend that you can talk to and think out loud with because people don't ever think that that's been a, such a surprising thing as an adult to realize how how infrequently people actually think and myself included is that then when you notice it you're like Jesus Christ we're all on autopilot we're all on subconscious autopilot 99% of the time yep. if you have a problem stop sit down and think about it what's what are you feeling? Where do you think those feelings are coming from? What do you think might have caused it? What do you think you might do to have prevented this or get out of this? Just think it through, motherfucker. No, I just and choose to get angry. That's, <laughs> that's my well, solution. That's, that's a defense mechanism. No, it's not, dude. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I think that's what, that's what that type of shit is really all about. You know, it's like you don't have to pay someone for it. Just get, make a friend, someone who's, who's, who loves you and will, and, will, and will go through that effort with you. Yeah. Like, True. Like you, man. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I think that the... Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think that maybe like murderers and psychopaths and stuff, maybe they need like a little special person to talk to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I really don't know, man. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I have thought about doing like talk therapy myself. So, I mean, I, sh I shouldn't say that there's no... That I don't think that there's no value in it. I don't know, um, but I just think uh, a lot of people, a lot of people really value the talk therapy. You know, like they put a lot of value into it. Um, Safan Molyneux being one of them. I, I it's always th recommending therapy see, to people. I, I think talk therapy is another word for thinking. Honestly, yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think writing is another way of thinking. So that's another thing. If you just sit down and write... Some people are really bad at thinking, though. Oh, my God. Some people, are just, they've, they really suck at that. Well, we've, we've, we've made ourselves this world where we don't have to do a whole lot of thinking, you know? True that. And we've done, it all, we've done that on purpose. Yeah. I don't think we like thinking. Do you, uh, do you let computers do most of your work for you? Um, I'll tell you what, I let computers do all the arithmetic for me. Yeah, for sure. I, I let computers do all the spell checking for me. Um, that, that, that's, that's not something I, I, uh, I mean, that's a little bit of an area of weakness for me. Um, I just creatively spell things, you know, and it, it, it has to do with, um, I think this weird, this weird thing about, I don't know if it's where I grew up or if it, my family or what, but it's a pronunciation thing. It's. 
vowels. And if you pay, uh-huh. if you pay attention to me, E's and I's can oh, get yeah. inverted. Uh, you know what I mean? Like either like I'll use those sounds interchangeably. Pencil, 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 pencil. Yes, and uh, <laughs> and so spelling like vowel. I think it, that's what it boils down to: vowels. Because yeah. it's like to me, it, they, there's a, a certain way in which lots of the vowels to me sound the same. Yeah, and it's, sure. it's it's because of me. It's the way I talk, and it sounds normal to me. And so my wife pointed it out when we first started dating. Like, yeah, you know, this motherfucker doesn't pronounce e's. That's funny. You don't. All right, Kyle. This is what I want to do. <laughs> I noticed that I'm doing too much of the talking. So what do you got for us? Let's let's have a Kyle topic no, to begin not, to kick this thing doing, off. Let's. I don't think you're doing too much of the talking, but um, so. Uh, why don't you tell us about? Uh, oh. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, let me cue this up for you. So I don't want to uh, make any promises, but um, um, I well, how do we want to start this out? I'll tell you what. I, how, how I want to begin is the magic of the internet. The magic. The magic of the, of the internet. internet. So you you said something once on the podcast. You said that that I that you are much more a creature of the internet than me. Yeah, and that's the truth. Which it's becoming less the truth, man. I really pulled away since I've been off of Twitter. Mm. I just don't. I'm not as immersed in it, but I'll I'll be back probably. Tw- Twitter's been pulling me back in a little bit more than I w- would like it to. Yeah, it's it's like I noticed that I'm pulling it up a lot during the day and stuff. And I when I got rid of Facebook and I was like I'm done with that. I was completely like disconnected from it. Now I'm feeling feeling like I'm getting pulled back in. Feeling the pull. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the magic of the internet. So I didn't really take advantage of this like. Social media and the internet it, the connecting you to the world as much as I could have, and it's because it's I'm a busy man. I got a lot of shit to do, and spending time on social media is not high on the on the priority list. Um, but I've been doing that a little bit lately, and uh, found a couple of couple of people so far. Uh, two of them <coughs> come, that come to mind, or maybe three, um, that I've had some communication with on on Twitter, and it's like strangers from God knows where, and. Um, it's like, hey, man, you you find people that are like-minded, and you're like, shit, I didn't know other people like this existed, you know? And now I'm finding them on the internet. Even if even if people that think the kind of crazy stuff I think along those lines are a fraction of the percentage of the population, when you go to the internet where there are billions of people, you're going to find a community, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, it's like, well, like I didn't know that. I knew that. But I just never did it. Yeah. So I did it. I've been doing it. And uh, I had a little bit of a back and forth exchange with a stranger, a, um, a guy that has a podcast. And I didn't realize he had a podcast until you know we got to talking. And uh, it's called Un- Onion Unlimited. So I jump over to this guy's podcast. I listen to a couple of his uh, episodes, and I'm like, man, this this actually this guy is saying a lot of the same things that I say about God, and using a lot of the same language, and that's interesting. And then also there's some things that he said that I disagree with. And I'm like, man, I wish I could talk to this guy because there's some things that I think, you know, of course, I think I'm right about, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh, this guy's misguided on a couple little details. I just wish he was a friend so that I could say, hey, man, have you considered this angle? Because then you're going to be with me and, and then yeah. you're going to... Then you'll be uh, right. Then you'll be right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So, but you can't do that with a stranger. But I guess you can. I guess yeah. you can because I I DM'd him on Twitter and uh, asked him if he would be interested in coming on the podcast to talk about it. And he was like, "Well, you know," and he was very grateful about it. Um, he was like, uh, "Yeah, I'm, I'm happy that you would even think of that." Um, he, he's like, "Well, what would you want to ask me?" 
And I'm like, oh, well, a thousand things. But I never, I didn't really organize them. So I sat down for a minute. I thought about what I wanted to ask him. And I'm like, here's the kind of things I have in mind. And he's like, those are great questions. He's like, let's let's do it. So I don't know when that's going to happen. I'm, like, I'm not making promises to the audience, but I'm hoping that he'll be willing to come on and talk. Um, here's a couple interesting things about the guy. Um, and and I, if you guys want to check out the Onion Unlimited podcast, the episodes are short, a lot of them. And uh, this guy was a um, Jehovah's Witness for a very long time. And some things happened in his personal life, and he was basically excommunicated. What They have a word for it, but I can't think of what the word is. Shunned or something, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and he lost all of that community because of the type of religious group that Jehovah's Witnesses are. Some would say a cult, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree. Um, because of the authoritarian type of nature of the of the group, um, he basically lost you know his social group entirely and his family and you know, yeah. so he had a rough time, and that, that's not so much of what I'm interested in. Although the, I'm sure there's lots of interesting questions we could ask him, um, I'm more interested in this guy's ideas about God because this sort of align with mine. Um, but anyway, um, I'm hopeful that we can set something up and he'll he'll come on and we we can have a talk with him. That would be cool. So did I tee up? Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so, I mean, you mentioned that he was a Jehovah's Witness. And uh, it's fun. That's funny that that happened because I have uh, had some crossover with Jehovah's Witness in my life in the last couple weeks, too. Really? Yeah. Well, I want to so hear all about it. the first thing, uh, I, you know, at the place that I work, the guys, uh, they go out and they fix people's doors, right? Uh, and one of the guys that our guys went out to uh, to help him he was a Jehovah's Witness, and he gave this guy this uh, this little brochure. No, it's yeah. called the Watchtower, announcing Jehovah's Kingdom. Mm, like a little colorful trifle brochure, not unlike the Scientology ones we were looking at. Exactly. Um, so this 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 little magazine, it's a. Uh, I mean, you know what? Like what you were talking about with Jehovah's Witness, it's um kind of culty. You know, it's like the the aspect that makes it culty to me compared to other branches of Christianity is the the excommunication. Mm. You know, the uh, if you don't believe, then you're gone. You're cut. You know, you're not allowed to be a part of the community at all anymore. Yeah. Um, but uh, well, is there any is there any other group religious group that comes to mind immediately that has that in common? Not. I mean. Only culty type things to me, right? Right, but you know what comes to my mind? What is and it? The que- and, the, and it's a good question. The Amish. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. If you after Rumspring is over, if you fuck off, you're excommunicated, you're shunned, and no one speaks to you. The whole community, your all your family, extended family, everybody, they just completely, you know, uh, cut you off. Yeah. Um. You know. I guess the question is: Are the Amish a cult? Amishism is like. Uh, um, like the most acceptable cult, you know. I never thought of it that way, but it, because of like, there, there's no difference to me. They might They're be very cult. They might yeah. be the most acceptable cult. Yeah. Nobody, the, nobody has anything critical to say about the Amish, other than that. I do. Fuck. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say fuck the Amish, but, um, and I know it's not called Amishism, but I'm going to start calling it that. I, I, w- I want to say Quakerism, but I think they're two separate things: the Amish and the Quakers. I think. Yeah. Quakerism, no. Amishism, in the in the Mennonites in there somewhere. Mennonism, Mennonism. <laughs> All right, sorry to throw you off track, dude. Oh, no, Jehovah's Witnesses, good, go ahead. Um, so I don't know. I just wanted to like kind of read some of the stuff in this. Um, you know, they're talking about uh, 
is the world going to end? Uh, and basically, they're just saying that we're approaching the end times. Like, that, like that's the point of this magazine. And um, I just think it's funny, even... Well, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, really. But these cult religious type things are just like they do the same things as governments it's just fear it's just getting people afraid mm. um and then people who are afraid what do they want they want answers you know what i mean oh absolutely um so what is their answer what do you think that their answer is well you know what before we get to their answer i, w- I want to say this whole end of times business mm-hmm. um the fact that it's compelling as an idea i get i mean that's extremely compelling. The notion that at some unprecedented moment, the world might just be over. Um, and it's not like that's not a, a, an unrealistic thing. An asteroid could strike tomorrow, you know? It's like, yeah. you know, so there's something really compelling about that. The thing is, ever since the time of Jesus, during his lifetime, um, they've been talking about that. The end is nigh. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the return of Jesus and the second coming and the, all that sort of stuff... His followers thought that was that was going to happen in their lifetime, and part of that has to do with Jesus saying, uh, "I can't remember the quote exactly, but some, something like, um, oh, I can't remember the quote, so I don't even want to venture a guess." But he's there's the a, gist of it. There's a like, the sun will not set before you see the Son of Man, or something like that. It's like it's coming. It's yeah, it's yeah. it's any moment. Imminent. Exactly. So you've got that at the time of Jesus. And you see that like in the Middle Ages, you know, the end is nigh. You, you know, I think of parodies of like um, Monty Python movies or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that was still going on a thousand years later. And it's going on today with the Jehovah's Witnesses. Just and it's still compelling. Even though the end has been near for 2,000 years, we're like on the edge of our seats, you yeah, know? Yeah, That's one thing this thing says is that um, it, when it says that the world is going to end, I don't know where it is in here, but it says uh, that... The earth is not going to be destroyed, and humankind is not going to be destroyed. Mm. Just the wicked are going to be destroyed. So we're going to be left with people who are choosing to do things the right way. It's interesting. It also makes me think that if there was ever a catastrophic event, like a big flood or an asteroid impact or something like that, that whoever survives, and it doesn't matter who, Whoever survives is going to believe, at least some of those people, that they were spared because mm-hmm. of their righteousness. It's absolutely. <laughs> Even if it was totally random, you survived because you because you guys were living in bunkers, not because you're particularly righteous. You know? Yeah, you were righteous enough to get to that fucking bunker. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what, see, it says here, what will end? Problems and wickedness. <laughs> what the Bible says, just a little while longer and the wicked will be no more. Mm. You will look at where they were and they will not be there. But the meek will possess the earth, and they will find exquisite delight in the abundance of peace. Okay. Oh, how general. Yes. Your problems are going to go away, and there's going to be an abundance of peace. Yep. That makes me think of, like, you know, the Patriot Act. Just sounds good, right? It just sounds good. Your pro- the pro- What's going what's gonna to go away? Problems will go away. Yep. Mm. No more problems. Uh, it says here, wanted an end to human rulership. I feel I, I can get behind that, you know, kind of in some way. I like the sound of it, at least. And by that they mean, uh, well, here, let's read it. Yeah, what it means. Okay, <laughs> to the point. 
Humans were not created to rule themselves. Okay, you're losing me already. They do a poor job of governing other people and solving their problems. Okay, you're getting me back a little bit. Solving their problems. Uh, consider. Britannica Academic notes that individual governments seem unable to handle the universal enemies of poverty, hunger, disease, natural disaster, and war or other violence. It then continues, some believe that only a form of world government can make decisive headway against those evils. However, even if all human governments united, the world would still be ruled by imperfect humans who are unable to overcome the difficulties mentioned above. God's kingdom is the only government that has the power to solve all global problems permanently. Mm. Therefore, according to the Bible, the end of the world... The present wicked system of things is not something that good people should fear. Instead, it is something to look forward to because this ruined old world will be replaced by God's magnificent new world. When will this happen? The next article will explain the Bible's answer. (laughs) Wow. Where, Where does your mind go? I just... I mean, is God literally gonna be like, um... Like uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not Willy Wonka. Like uh, like the Great Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah. you know, like pulling the strings like, and like Zordon. Yeah, like making things happen. Like he's called God is calling the shots. He's the supreme emperor of the universe. Um, what does that mean? Does that mean that? Does that mean that we have a supernatural legislature? Does that mean we have a supernatural judiciary? That God is because how is God exactly. governing? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's like I, I mean. It's some. It's it has to be humans, right? It has to be like either. <laughs> that's what I mean. So, do we have a? It's all right. This is where my mind goes. You tell me what you think of this. When he, if you can imagine God as the government, what that means is that all things happen as they're meant to, and that means that if the laws are broken, that there's always justice and that it's always uh, appropriate because it's God doing it, right? Yeah. It, what that does is it takes, it seems to take away our need to think about morality. It's like, I don't have to think about what's right and wrong because whatever happens is ordained by God. So okay. what's right and wrong is going to happen because God is the government. It's such a weird way of putting it. God is the government. God is the government, yeah. Um, Jesus. So, so what, what reason do you have as an individual to ask, first of all, you're never going to question justice because it's coming from God. So you don't, you just don't have to think about it, right? Yeah. You don't have to worry about what's right or wrong. You don't have to think about it and you certainly can't question it. You accept. It's about obedience. Um, and who's to say that if God is governing, that it's going to be just or that we're going to agree with it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. God is government. What a weird thing. Very weird. Um, so what else does it say here? Like the world government, you know, I think that that's interesting that these relig- this religion is calling for a world government. Well, they seem to be saying that a world government would be better than what we have today, but not as good as if God was the government. Yeah, I see, I, what I take them to be saying by saying God should be the government is that the holiest amongst us should be the people who are in charge. Okay, well, I think there's a lot of... Um there's a lot of people in certain parts of the Middle East that would agree with you. That's called a theocracy. Yeah. That's what that's called. Yeah. It's not about God being the government. It's about God's law being the gover- being the government. Yeah. And the and the interpreters of the law being the the judge and the executioner. The judge, jury and executioner. Yeah. Yep. Jesus. I think uh 
that's I mean that's kind of think how I think it would play out anyways. Oh, I mean, for sure. You know. Um, what else does it say here? Imperfect humans. Uh, the power to solve all global problems permanently. Oh <laughs> my such god! Such finality, you know. What a promise! It's so funny. Read it again. Okay, yeah, here we go. Um, God's kingdom is the only government that has the power to solve all global problems permanently. Yep. That's a that's a promise right there. That's a campaign promise. I think the, I, I was going to say I think the Democrats are just one or two election <laughs> election cycles away from saying that. We'll solve all <laughs> global problems permanently. Uh, so you were talking about uh, how long it's been since you know they thought it was going to be in their lifetime when Jesus came back. Uh, when will the end come? What Jesus said, uh, and it just gives a couple of verses here. Keep on the watch, therefore, because you know neither the day nor the hour. Okay. That's the first one. It's going to sneak up on you. Keep looking. Keep awake, for you do not know when the appointed time is. Mm. Um, and it's funny. Both of those statements are, like, so kind of vague that you can use them to support it's going to be soon or, hey, it, that's what, it, you know, we don't know. And they're also contradictory because it's like you're never going to know what's just going to sneak up on you and be a surprise. But you got to be ever vigilant. You got to keep looking for it, even though you're yeah, never going to yeah. be able to anticipate it. Yeah. Um, it, it gives. Okay. Yeah. This is the part. It, it gives the signs. Oh. Okay. That are that the world that we're coming to the end. Okay. Um, it says the sign. These events would be the sign of the conclusion of the system of things. Jesus said, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be food shortages and earthquakes in one place after another. He also said that there would be pestilences, epidemic diseases. Uh, are you seeing the events that Jesus prophesied? Devastating wars, famines, and earthquakes, as well as relentless disease, have ravaged the earth in our day. In 2004, for example, a massive earthquake in, the quake in the Indian Ocean triggered a tsunami that killed some 225,000 people. And in over one year, the COVID-19 pandemic resulted in some 2.6 million deaths worldwide. Jesus said that events like these would indicate that the end of the system of things is near. Could you, I mean, could you pick things that are, like, not happening all the time throughout <laughs> history? War and, like, people being mean and diseases. Yeah. Yep. It's like, now. It's happening. You, you, you know what it makes me, I mean, you're 100% right. You're 100% right. None there's, of that stuff is ever not happening. No. There's always, there's always famine in some part of the world at, at any given time. And really bad ones come around in cycles. And, and uh, you earthquakes. know, earthquakes and war the same. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, this is where my mind goes. What it kind of sounds like to me, and this isn't the point they're making, but this is what comes to my mind. That stuff's going to happen um, repeatedly. It's like a pattern. You're going you're gonna to see that pattern over and over and over. So you're always going to have a reason to think, oh, now is, now is close to the time or now, is, now the, the end is near. You're always going to have a reason, justification for thinking that. Yeah. But I wonder if it's like, this is just a different a different interpretation of the kingdom of God uh, idea. Does these repeating cycles present the opportunity over and over and over again for human beings? It's like 
you know, bad, bad things happen, shit falls apart. That's your opportunity to build back the kingdom of God, to restore order and make it better, you know, and prove it. And so we just continue to have this cycle to repeating. So we have opportunities here to here. It is again. Here it is again. Here it is again. Here's the mo- your moment as humanity to rise to the occasion. And we more or less continue to do that. And so that's the cycle. The cycle is war and destruction and famine and rebirth and resurrection. And uh, it's I'm just going back to Jordan Peterson now. It's, yeah. ju- it's the it's the Jesus story. Yep. Death and resurrection. Yep. Jesus, man. Um, so this next, we got this little infographic here. Wars between 2007 and 2017. Deaths, deaths from armed conflict and terrorism rose by 118%. Uh, illness. Some top killers are heart disease, stroke, lung disease, neonatal disorders, diarrheal diseases, cancer, <laughs> tuberculosis, diarrhea. I'll get you every time, you know. <laughs> That's a weird list. But go, yeah, go I know, dude. <laughs> Uh, hunger. In 2019, 8.9% of the world population was starving, and 21.3% of children under five were malnourished and stunted. Uh, global preaching. I don't know. This seems like a different turn from the rest of these things, but <laughs> over 8.4 million qualified preachers, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, in parentheses here, distribute Bible literature in over 1,000 languages in 240 lands. Mm. Again, that's a weird thing to put at the end of that, I think. But It is weird. Um, um, also, 8.4 million Jehovah Witness preachers out there? Crazy. I don't, that's crazy. That's a lot. That is a lot. It seems like a lot. It seems inflated to you? These Jehovah's Witnesses are... I, I don't know, but is it braggy? Is it, are they trying to be braggy? Well, isn't there something in Jehovah's Witnesses that there's only like 440,000... Well, I was hoping that was going to come up in the brochure. Because, uh, I mean, I, if you got 8.4 million, 8 million of you motherfuckers are not going. You know, like, yeah. you're fucked. Yeah. I, mean, I wonder if that, yeah, that, I've definitely heard it. I just don't know if that's Jehovah's Witness um, I think it dogma is, or not. That's interesting. Like, 8 million of you guys, you're missing the mm. boat somehow. Yeah. That's interesting, Bunch man. Bunch of liars. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so wars, I mean, between 2007 and 2017, it went up. Uh, 118%. But, like, what about World War II? Okay, there's this there's this um, World War II monument in a park near here. Mm-hmm. It's uh, closer to Cleveland. And so it's like an obelisk, you know? There's four sides to it. Three sides are for World War II, and then there's, like, one side that's dedicated to other wars, oh. including World War One. Wow. Yeah, it's insane, man. Mm. Why didn't? Why wasn't that the end of the world? Why did we keep going after that? That's an excellent question. Uh, you know, I know. I mean, just like beating a dead horse with pointing out the stupid shit. But um, I don't know. I just think it's funny. Like all of these things, like they're like subjectively, uh, like uh, illness and hunger. We're doing way better now than we were. You know, absolutely. So I just don't like. By what metric are you measuring that this is the end of the world? Isn't that is that like the um uh, who are those guys? Pinker and Jonathan Haidt to talk about the uh, basically the, all the gloom and doom that you hear about, but the but the facts are that you know globally poverty and infant mortality and all these markers are going down, um, like astronomically down, yeah. and and wealth global wealth um, is continuing to skyrocket to the point where Jordan always says that the average income in Africa today is equivalent to what the average income in the United States was in 1950. Wow. That's incredible. 
and uh, all all these good things are happening, and all you ever hear is all you ever hear about is how the world's going to hell Falling in a handbasket. Yeah. yeah. Um, so but they give their solutions for what you need to do to be a part of it, uh, which is just basically be a good Jehovah's Witness. Um, and they have a they have they are strict, man. The Jehovah's Witnesses are not like the pussy ass Nazarenes that I grew up with. <laughs> Although actually Nazarenes are pretty pretty strict yeah, Christians. They're a notable too. notable um, one, yeah. So more when we became like the non denominational hippie ass Christians, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. Although So so does this your knowledge about how strict they're they are come from the pamphlet or from the Jehovah's Witnesses that you know? I've heard some oh, I don't really know any Jehovah's Witnesses, oh, okay. but um I've just heard like some podcasts and stuff like Ari Shafir did a podcast with a guy who used to be a Jehovah's witness. Um, what kind of shit do they say that they, and you notice you see them like out riding bikes around, like going and talking to people and they have to do that. Like that's, that's not optional. They have to do that because of social pressure or to go to heaven. I think both. It's like, (laughs) uh, you have to go out there and spread the word to go, you know, Mm. that's like part of it. Yeah. Um, uh, but also, yeah, if you don't, they will ostracize you. You know, if you're not like uh, picking, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Shouldering your uh, your burden. Mm. If you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, they'll kick you out. That's interesting. Um, and I've that one of the other thing, the other piece of paper I brought in here is a testament to that. I'll show you. Oh, I was hoping we were going to get to that. Yeah, uh, it says, but it just kind of uh, their solutions is uh, global government. Ooh, okay. Soon, when God's new heavenly government exercises authority over all mankind, the earth will become a happy place where people can live together in harmony and do good and satisfying work. God has appointed Jesus Christ to rule over the earth. Unlike so many rulers today, Jesus will have... Jesus will have... Where the fuck was I? Sorry, man. (laughs) Uh, Jesus will have the interests of his subjects at heart. His rulership will be based on love, and he will be a kind, merciful, and fair king. So it does sound like Jesus is ruling this fucking thing. Okay, so, okay. So God's new government's going to have Jesus as the president. If that's the case, are you in? I, I think I'd have to be, yeah. Yeah? I think I'd have to be. I might be too, man. If it's actually Jesus, yeah. fuck. If it's actually Jesus in the Oval Office. But yeah. how are we going to determine if it's actually Jesus? That's a good question. Well, if he... I, Can he walk on water? I mean, if he's walking on water, I suppose. I think I think so. So the rest of this, I don't think, is really. Yeah, but the global government thing's interesting. It is interesting. for a couple reasons. It came up in that Baha'i episode, remember? Yep. And the Georgia Guidestones, we were talking about that. It, yep. ca- it came up in that too. Another thing with the Georgia Guidestones is uh, connection with them is that they recommend some kind of super low population. You Did know? you always like, witness it? Well, they have that 444,000. Oh. I'm talking about the, the Guidestones recommend do, some yeah. crazy low. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they have that 444,000 thing, you know? Oh, yeah, Makes yeah. you wonder. You know, Did the Jehovah's Witnesses put those fucking things out? That's interesting. Yeah. I was thinking about this in the car today. This idea of what would happen if the population was reduced by that much. And this was this weird thought. It was kind of like an ant colony sort of thought that came to my mind. It was like, if I was a creature that found myself in a hostile environment and the more kids I had like you can imagine in the old days before technology people had lots of kids because they needed lots of help right imagine if that's why the global population is not, is approaching 8 million or 8 billion rather because what we needed to do as a species was make a bunch of worker bees to tame this wild place that we live in 
so that once all the work was done, they would all die off, leaving the select, the small group of people to benefit from the work of all these people who came before us. Mm-hmm. And it's like a weird way of looking at it, but that's also the history of human beings. You know, yeah. that's the history of human beings. For sure. Everyone that came before us was doing something, leaving behind something that we benefited from. True. And it's just a weird way of looking at it, man. Like, like the, the human race as a... Um, Beehive. As a hive mind, yeah, yeah. And that's, and that's not so far off from my belief about God as it is. And it also corresponds with something from, uh, like, the oldest mythology in the world, the, the, the Sumerian mythology about uh, why human beings were created. According to them, according to the Sumerians, they were created to do the work that the gods didn't want to do. I mean... A slave class. I mean... It's interesting, right? It is interesting. All right, back to Jehovah's Witnesses. What's up? So the other thing that I brought in here was a handwritten letter that was mailed to me by a Jehovah's Witness in my neighborhood. Whoa. Who knows my name. Whoa. See, that's what I noticed, first of all, is I haven't seen a handwritten letter in ages. And you bring, you bring it in and lay it down, and I'm like, who is doing this? I know, dude. Isn't that fucking crazy? So you don't know this person from Adam? I have no fucking idea who this person is. And he knows my name and my address. He, like, knows my address and the name of the person who lives at that address. And, and, he, and you know he lives nearby? He put his address right here. I mean, I'm not going to read it out here, but... Okay, yeah. Yeah, he, like, he he put his address, he's got his email, and he puts his phone number in, in the actual... Wow. No, 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 he doesn't. He just says email. That's right. Okay. So um, you get a you get a letter from a stranger, you open it up, it's handwritten. Yeah, it, and it's like, uh, it's an envelope, and the envelope is handwritten, too. So I'm like, some I, I don't know, somebody mailed me something. What you is know? this, a Christmas card? Yeah, exa- exactly. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. what I, I'm figuring it is. We're getting to that time of the year, you know? Yeah. But it's not. It's a card from this fucking crazy Jehovah's Witness guy who I shouldn't say that. He's probably a nice guy, but yeah. Um, he 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 took the time to write me this letter. Yeah, yeah. Which is something. I mean, it's honestly, something. you know, I'm sure he probably wrote a bunch of these because that's like their thing. You know, that's mm. what they do. Uh, it's all about pounding the pavement, getting out there, knocking on doors. Well, um, that, this level of a t- of a personal touch got, it gets your attention. Sure, yeah. yeah. So he says. Uh, my wife and I live in your neighborhood and wanted to, I can't even, drop a note, drop a note to you since we have to, since we have not been able to speak personally. So this is one thing. He's making it seem like he lives like a, a few houses down. Yeah. You know, like, ah, oh, you know, I haven't seen you coming out, you know, mowing <laughs> your yard. I haven't had a chance to come over and say hi. Yeah. Uh, which is not true. His address is far, is not super far away from mine, but, like, it's not on my street no, or anything. No, no. In fact, I'm looking at the street. If it, if it is what I think it is, it's not even in the same neighborhood. No, it's not. It's far. Okay. It's, it's kind of far away. Yeah. Uh, so he said, World conditions have caused many to have a pessimistic view of the future. However, I have found the Bible to be a source... Man, his writing, like, on the page, it looks kind of neat, you know? Like, it's laid out very... But it's hard to read. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have uh, I have found the Bible to be a source of optimism. Uh, the book of Revelation tells us God will wipe out every tear from their eyes and death will be no more. Uh, neither will be mourning. Basically... Uh, 
basically he at the end of this he just is trying to get me to get in touch with him to come to come to the you know what do they call them the kingdom hall kingdom hall yeah there's yeah. a kingdom hall over here and he's like come you know reach out to me come out you know I just think uh, that aspect of the religion is weird to me no it's not weird it makes sense but it's a, um, it's a marketing ploy it's, yeah. just, it's you know specifically I mean I get it it's just uh, it's annoying <laughs> You know, you should write him back. I'm th- I I might, yeah, I might, and not in a mean way, but you should no, write. I, you should. Yeah, I, I won't be mean. What would you say? What would you say to, to this gentleman if you could? I'd be like, you should buy a typewriter or a computer because you have messy ass handwriting. Um, but actually, it's not that bad. Um, but I don't know. I would. Uh, I would want to know, like, tell me why. You really, you really give me your best sales pitch because I feel like this isn't it. You know, this isn't it. No, There's, this is a, this is not your A game. Tell me why I need to be a Jehovah's Witness. Mm. Like, give me the real, honest to God sales pitch. And I mean, obviously, that's going to drum up more questions. Do and do you think that this letter was essentially copied by hand, like word for word? This same letter went out to, to a bunch of people. Multi- yeah, okay. yeah, and then they just like you know, yeah, different. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Different addresses, different names. Do you, do you think there's a some sort of reward system like uh, like when you like when you go and you you get points and then you, and after a while you get a free burrito? Do you think that these that, that they get points for these letters? Is there some sort of a, get a free burrito? Like a free burrito? Yeah. Like you remember in in school when we did the fundraisers and we get we get prizes and there was always those catalogs of prizes and they were ridiculous. Like yeah. uh, you know, if Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses got into like a gang fight, mm. who do you think would take that? I know, on my mind, goes immediately to one group. Who do I think? I mean, they're both so nice. Um, I think the Mormons are better funded and organized. Yeah, that's where my mind goes. Yeah. Yeah. Mormons, for sure. Um, Brigham Young, you know? Brigham Young. So, so what, it seems to me like you're... That was, that was Jeffrey Epstein's motto. What? Brigham Young. Oh, it took me a minute. God, man. All right. Um, where was I going? I don't God, know. You I'm threw sorry. me off. I derailed you. Golly. Uh, oh, I was going to ask you, because like in the old days, you you were an atheist or something like that. And you, yeah. were, you were hostile towards organized well, I religion. I was definitely an atheist at one point. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Um, but now you seem like you're coming around to be more open to some of this stuff. And then you get this letter. I mean, obviously, this seems like a step too far for you. But No, no. I mean, I really don't care. It's not like I'm offended. I just think it's it's not like I'm angry. Uh, whereas back in the day, I would have been like, fuck this guy. You know, <laughs> like, I don't really feel that way. Uh, I just think it's... I mean, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, I think it's a little goofy. Um, it's like... Do you really think you're going to be reaching people? That's why I said this is not your A game, you know? Like, how many people do you really think you're going to reach by sending them letters? I think that I'm more impressed with it than a lot of people would be. Like, I'm like, oh, a handwritten letter? Like, yeah. that's something. Yeah. You know, I think most people would be like, fuck. Like, <laughs> I would have been a few years ago. They'd yeah, yeah. be like, just fuck you. Um, so. I wonder if they get more people to read these letters than they do answer the door when they come knocking. That's a good question. Because. Probably, right? Yeah, because like I did, you see a handwritten envelope and you're like, oh, what the fuck, you know? It's a numbers game. It's a numbers game, man. Yeah. That's, it's actually brilliant. 
Kind of, yeah. Yeah. It's like a pyramid scheme. Hey, I saw the uh, actual building of the Church of Scientology for the first time um, on TV yesterday. I can't remember what it was. Have you ever seen it um, in, in L.A., their main thing? It's blue. Blue? Yeah, I, it's... I mean, I would never make a building that color, especially really? a big building. Um, like, like when you say that it's blue, look it up, man. It's okay. it's it's it looks like a giant hotel with with big white crosses on it, like it's a Christian hotel, and it's it's blue like the color of uh, the Greek flag, blue. You know. So I'm looking up Scientology. Yeah, Sci- Scientology headquarters, Los Angeles, something like that. Building, I don't know. Not a keyword machine. Headquarters, L.A. And while you're while you're looking that up, um, uh, why no? Go ahead, look it no, up. No, you're good. Oh yeah, that's, you see that's that? a hideous building. Golly, look, look how blue it is. Let me see. Let me it see. looks like uh, it looks like what in the world? You could use that as a stand-in. You could film uh, Arkham Asylum and a Batman movie there. Oh you know? yeah, that's perfect for it, that. It looks like. It, look, it looks like somebody had the worst taste who designed that building. I wonder if the Scientologists designed it, or I wonder if they took it over. Yeah, it looks like a hotel that they took over and put a cross on, and a big marquee sign. Man, why the fuck did they put a cross on it? What the f- is that? That's a good question. Now that you repeat the same question to me, I'm like, oh yeah, they're, they're not they're not Christian. They're not Christian. <laughs> but there is a cross on it. You hear about Val Kilmer? What about him? I know he had cancer. Yeah, he's got cancer, and he's one of these Christian scientists, and oh. they don't believe in medicine. Oh. So he's just, like, letting himself die because, you know, God will heal it if he wants it to be healed. Yeah, interesting. He's probably, crazy? He's, probably, he's probably using kale, though. He's probably... Yeah, he's juicing. Juicing, yeah. yeah for sure. Sorry. A lot of wheat, a lot of wheatgrass. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I wish the best for Val Kilmer, yeah, absolutely. but that's weird. Yeah. You got money, bro. Go get that. Go get those monoclonal antibodies like Joe Rogan. You know, um, Val Kilmer. Val I don't know. Val Kilmer, we wish you the best, buddy. Val Kilmer is interesting. That guy has been the most handsome man ever, and yeah. the ugliest cr- creature ever in yeah. his lifetime. He's played Jim Morrison, so that's pretty handsome. And he was Batman. He was Batman. He was one of the worst Batman. He wasn't a good Batman, but he was Batman. That's saying something. I liked that Batman when I was a kid, though. I was, I mean, you know, I was a kid and a Batman movie was coming out, so I was, like, (laughs) keyed up, you know? Wasn't Val Kilmer in Top Gun with uh, Tom Cruise? Yeah, Iceman. And he was super handsome. Yeah, he's a handsome bloke, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to start saying bloke more often. Yeah, I like bloke. Uh, <laughs> just like that guy, the the, the the Onion Unlimited guy, when I was talking to him, um, he's British. And I didn't know until I listened to the podcast that oh. he's that he's British. And he's got that accent. And then when I DM'd him, he called me mate. And I, and I happen to like British TV and movies. So I'm like, I'm smiling like, I got to yeah. use that. Well, you should him out. You should call him bruv. One of oh, these bruv. Things. What's that, bruv? <laughs> see, but I see, I don't know enough about the culture. Like, that, like is that... Uh, from a certain, is it regional? Is it a Who certain? Cares? It's fine, you know. All right, whatever. <laughs> uh, next point I wanted to get to is uh, just an interesting thing about Jordan Peterson lately. JP, JP, watch here on <laughs> Two Tugs podcast. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. All right, it's a segment. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Jordan Peterson lately, he's been having some more interesting conversations. Um, a couple of them have really been standing out to me. Yeah, and they've been a little bit more like overtly religious. And he's been having religious people on to talk, and other people, you know. But 
there was one episode just recently, and it was like two in a row, which is why it got caught my attention. He said something about psychedelics in one episode, which he never. And I've listened. I've listened to. You know, lots of Jordan, lots of Jordan Peterson, and I've read lots of Jordan Peterson, and he never talks about psychedelics, and so he brought it up, and it was it, I can't remember exactly what he said about it, but something along the lines of uh, there's something to it, there's something to it from a spiritual perspective, there's something to it from an academic perspective that's worthwhile that nobody is um, exploring, and. Then he gets on this conversation, and I, did I write down who was... No, it was like four guys that were on the conversation. One of them, I think, was that Jonathan... I uh, can't remember the guy's name, forgive me. He, he's, a, he's a religious guy. He carves religious icons. He's like an artist. Okay. And um, so he's steeped in the, in the religious stuff. And another one of the guests was a, was a Catholic bishop, who I, I think I've heard before. He seems to be a famous guy. His name is Bishop Barron. So if you're Catholic, you probably know who he is. I didn't, but he's very smart and he's bishop. So you know he's high up in the church. He's he's you know, um, he talks like a theologian, but he's very smart. You know he knows the philosophy, he knows the history. He's very very smart. Bishop Baron, it's like two titles, you know. Bishop, <laughs> it sounds like there should be a name after that, Bishop Baron David Smith or something. Mm. You ever know? Uh, oh, you remember you remember Bishop? No. Oh, maybe oh, it was before your time. There was a guy at the at the theater who worked there. His name was Bishop. Okay. Shout out, shout out to Matthew. We'll know. Uh, Bishop. He was a big, big black dude. He was a super nice, super like soft spoken and really big, like uh, like the guy from uh, uh, the, the Green Mile. Okay, like, Michael like Clark that Duncan. character, but that character. Yeah, yeah. He was like that. He was like this. He was he was an interesting guy. He would walk to work. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> there was a kid I went to high school with. His first name was Sterling. Like, cool. like Sterling Archer. Yeah. You know? Sterling Cooper. Like Sterling Silver. You ever watch Mad Men? Uh, no. It's a good show. Dude. You've told me that, and I know I'm missing out. It's a out. good one. All right, back to Jordan Peterson. All right. Sorry for the tangent. So anyway, he, he's talking to Bishop Barron, and there's like a whole panel. There's like four people talking. Bishop Barron. And all of them seem to be religious, except for Jordan Peterson. And when I, But more specifically, they're Christian, except for Jordan Peterson. He, he's very careful to like never kind of go far enough to say that he's a Christian. Um, but here's where it gets interesting. He brings up psychedelics again. And I'm like, oh my God, he's bringing it up again. And I'm super interested in this. And I would love to hear what Jordan Peterson would have to say about it. So I'm like getting excited. And what he says is that the book of Revelation, uh, in Jordan Peterson's mind, is the description of somebody's psychedelic experience. He said, and, and basically these exact words... When he reads the book of Revelation, what he's reading is the account of somebody's trip. And to him, there's no doubt in his mind. He said it with absolute certainty because it has all of the, all of the key features of, a psychedelic of, a, of that type of mystical psychedelic experience. It has all of the components the story does. And um, they all, they all uh, disagreed with Jordan like right away. And whenever that happens... You got three three Christians sitting across from him who immediately want to distance themselves from talk about psychedelics with any value from a religious or spiritual perspective. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And you know, it's not like it's a surprise. You got these conservative Christians; they're not going to say something um, complimentary about illegal drugs. You you wouldn't expect that from a conservative person. Period. So it didn't surprise me. But the fact that they were like teamed up against them and and when you have a conversation where three of the parties agree most people would back down 
And I thought that Jordan would back down, and he didn't. He pushed back. Fuck yeah. And because th- they all said things like, oh, John of the Cross and the, all these different people who were mystical. They achieved those states without drugs. And, and Jordan Peterson was like, um, you know, he was just like, basically, the root experience that causes religions to develop is a psychedelic experience. And I'm like sitting there, mouth agape, like Jordan Peterson just said something I happen to I'm not, not fully agree with, but largely agree with, that is controversial, that these conservative people who, who are guests on his podcast, you know, and he's not like Jordan is a rude guy, and it's not like he was being rude, but he stood on his, on his, on his feet, and he was like, I'm not going to be swayed from this. This is, this is what I believe. I believe that psych- psychedelic experience is at the core of religion, period. Not Christianity exclusively, religion, period. And uh, and he didn't let these these religious people dominate the conversation. He stood stood back and pushed back against them, and I just didn't expect that, man. Yeah, you don't expect that from an academic, and he he's avoided it all this time. And you know, I don't know. It just doesn't it doesn't seem to me like it's a new interest. It seems like this has been behind the veil of all the Jordan Peterson stuff that he just couldn't publicly ever say because he was a. He worked for the University of Toronto. He was a professor. He would have been disgraced had he said that, you know, publicly as a college professor. But he's already been disgraced, and he's not a college professor anymore. And he was just like out with it, you know. And I was, I was just taken aback, man. What do you think? Um, yeah, I definitely think that he's got less um, constraints at the moment. You see, he announced a tour, a speaking tour. He did, and he's coming into Akron, and I was very happy about that. And I went online to see to pre-order tickets to see what they cost. And a little warning box pops up before you even get there. And it says uh, something like the precautions about COVID and oh, that and fuck. that and that the venue that the venue might require vaccination uh, proof of vaccination or or whatever. And as soon as I saw that, I was just like, okay, I guess I'm not going. Yeah. And um, yeah, I can't pre-order. You know, whatever. I'm not going on principle. Yeah, and I, that sucks because suck. I didn't get to see him last time, and I would have loved to, and I won't be able to see him this time. Sucks, man. Yeah, the world is bullshit. The <laughs> um, what What do you think about the the idea that? Oh, by the way, if anyone's interested, this is episode 61 of the current season of Jordan Peterson. It's called "Meaning, All, and Conceptualization of God," Part Three. If you're interested, sweet art um, tray. What do you think about the the notion that specifically psychedelic experience at the at the root of all religion? What, what do you think of that idea? Um, I don't, I don't really know what to think of it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it seems as a person who's had a psychedelic experience, I understand why that would be the basis of religious uh, I can understand why a person who didn't have religion or, or didn't think about things in that kind of religious way would come out of that and start thinking that way that makes sense to me um, but whether or not it's all based on it I don't know it's hard to say so I mean it's, it's hard for me to say the, that the question to me is interesting because basically what it says is something like this if a psychedelic, if a mystical psychedelic experience is at the origin of all religions, that it means sort of means 
that religion doesn't get developed in the absence of psychedelics. Like what it, what it means is you, a human being doesn't establish religion without that experience. Is it the only way that you can have that experience? No, I don't think it is. Is it the only way that would have justified the, turning it into a religion? Maybe, maybe. Maybe. Um, I just think it's interesting. I don't disagree with it. I, just, I mean, I want to I wanna agree with it, actually, which is, uh, I'm, so I'm careful not to adopt it wholeheartedly for that reason. But you th- So you think that now that Jordan Peterson has, like I said, like kind of nothing to lose, that he's going to be swinging for the fences more? I think I'm. It looks to me like he's going to be talking about psychedelics more. Yeah. I, I I would, I would hope that he'll he's going to start talking to people, like bringing experts on and talking to them on his podcast, like psychedelic researchers and psychonauts and people like that. And to me, those conversations would be amazing. Yeah. Can you imagine if he gets some like super intelligent, you know, professor that's steeped in the mythology and the symbols, who's also a a, a, a psychonaut, you know, and they get on there and start talking about images and dreams and religion and, and comparing them to psychedelic experience. I would pay tickets to see that. I would get the freaking vaccine to see that conversation. That sounds really, really interesting to me. Yeah. So I'm hopeful that that's what we have in store. Cool. Yeah. Oh boy. I have not been, not been listening to much Jordan Peterson much recently. Yeah. Yeah. Not been listening to, a lot of podcasts at all recently. Yeah, me More either. music and, you know, other things. YouTube, I things jumped, like that. I jumped over to uh, Apple Podcasts on my phone, which I, I moved over to Spotify, so I haven't been using it as much. Yeah. And then what I realized was I had a lot more <laughs> podcasts on my library. Saved up, and I've yeah. kind of, I've, But I've, like, forgotten about them. So I went back over, and I was like, oh, shit, I forgot I about that podcast. Backlog. Yes, nice yes, dude. yes. Like what podcast? Lore. Lore. Lore comes to mind. It's just a, you know, it's like a urban legends and horror stories uh, that they'll tell. Horror stories? Horror stories. Oh, that's a lot less um, interesting to me. <laughs> you know, that are, that are historical, most of them. Uh, that's, the, that's the one, uh, I think that's the one that I was telling you about uh, where they were talking about the Pied Piper myth and the origins oh. of the Pied Piper myth. It's a really, really good episode, man. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. I also started watching The Witcher. On Netflix, yeah, with that handsome bastard Henry Cavill, Superman, yeah, Superman, right? Yeah, uh, he, yeah, he is actually, actually handsome dude. Um, so he, I, he was too jacked in Superman. He's well, he's equally jacked in this. You know what I noticed about him is that his arms look short. You know, people that are so jacked and their lats are so big that yeah, the, their yeah. arms look short. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's how he looks. So I, I played that video game for a while, uh, uh, briefly, The Witcher. It's really, really fun, an open-world game, like, um, you know, in RPG fashion, in, like, you know, mi- m- um, medieval fantasy fashion. Yeah. Um, so it's open-world like GTA? Yep, open-world like GTA, open-world open like, uh, I would compare it to Oblivion or Fallout or something like that. Okay. Um, and, uh, but you're just like a fantasy, you're like a crazy creature called a Witcher, and you go around killing crazy monsters, and it's it's, you know... It's fun. Yeah. Um, the show is comparable in every way so far to Game of Thrones. Only it's not drawn out as much and it's not as complicated. So this, the, the storyline, it, maybe it's getting there. But you know how one of the things that some people would je- objected to about Game of Thrones was all of the, it's like all the politics, all the characters. There's too many people. There's too much going on. There's too much to know. So they've cut they've cut some of that out in when they've designed The Witcher to be more have more of a popular appeal. 
streamlined. A little bit more streamlined. Yeah. But it's 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 so it's a lot more action packed. I um, watched. I think I watched maybe the first two episodes or something. I just. It t- I don't know, man. Stuff just doesn't get its hooks into me as easily as yeah. it, things did at one point in time. You know. Well, I like I it. Know. I'm yeah. gonna, I'm on episode three. I'm gonna. I'm, I just wanted to. I just wanted to say. I wanted to compare it to Game of Thrones, and I wanted to say I'm enjoying it. Yeah. So I'll I'll, I'll let you guys know when I get a little a little the deeper end, but they they did renew it for another season. Well, speaking of topics like uh, The Witcher, one thing that I've been into. Over the last, I would say, two weeks is I have been accumulating um, Audible credits. Mm-hmm. I had like seven of them. Yep. Um, and I was like, what the fuck am I going to listen to, man? I kind of wanted to listen to some uh, some fiction. I was like, I haven't read a good fiction book in a long time. Yep. Um, and instead of going with something new, I decided to read something that I read a long time ago. I didn't read them when they were, co- well, listen. Uh, well, actually, I did read them the first time. Uh, but I read them when I was in high school, not when they first started coming out, like well after. Yeah, yeah. But it's the Harry Potter books. Yep. And I've been listening to those on Audible, and they're incredible. Man. Oh god, they're so good. <laughs> like uh, they're kids' books in 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 some ways, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I mean, as it gets older, the the themes and stuff become more adult and mm-hmm. things like that. But um, especially like the first like two or three, they're like kids' books, you know. Yep. Um, yeah, tell I, t- tell me what stands out to you, what you like the most, because uh, I agree with you, but I want to hear your perspective. Um, so, I wonder, I wonder, like, did J.K. Rowling write, um, what was it, the the Sorcerer's Stone, mm-hmm. and then like, you know, three books later, she's like making callbacks to that. Like, was she? Did she know that she was going to do that when she was writing the Sorcerer's Stone? Or is it just like, I don't know, man. Well, so I know what you, I know what you mean. Um, so I wrote most of a book when I was like twenty years old. Yeah, uh, it's called Hallowed, and I and I never finished it. It needs an ending. It's just been sitting in in uncomplete form for like whatever. A, a de- I mean, fifteen years basically, just sitting there, maybe a little longer. Yeah. Um, so I actually had things like this come up, where as I was writing it, I'm like, it's like an epiphany. It's like, oh yeah, make a call back to that. So it hits you in the moment where it's appropriate, and it's like a post hoc thing. So you put it in; it looks intentional, but it was something that the opportunity presented itself, and then you were like, "That'll be good." So yeah. I would have to assume that it came; it flowed naturally like that for her. It unraveled like that. But the notion that she would have sat down and plotted out all of these books, the, the greater story, and then tried to make all the little stories fit in that framework, to me, sounds like a genius level intellect. Like you would have to be so creative and smart to do that. Yeah. And maybe that's the case. Maybe she is, you know, I mean, listen, I read those books. She's a genius. She's a genius. Um, so maybe, but I would guess that, that those things came to her in the moment while she was writing them. Yeah. Um, aside from that, just like the creativity, the, uh, I mean, it's really incredible. She's like, I don't know, man. Just uh, it, it, it's like uh, uh, creating this this new world, you know. That oh, yeah. like um, it was so real. I, I don't know. I, I I think maybe the movies help with that. It's yeah. because you can watch them and it like, but uh, I don't know. It's just uh, immersive, you know. Oh yeah. It's like uh, I would compare it to not to the same level, um, 
because these two guys are like really impressive with what they did with building their universe. But like uh, Tolkien and um, Martin, yeah, yeah, like you know, she really does have like this this really developed universe, you know. Um, yep. So I love so, that kind of shit. So I make I make that connection too. My mind immediately goes to Tolkien. But this is the thing. I think that J.K. Rowling's art is not to the caliber of um, of J.R. Tolkien. Yeah. Um, but it's way more fun to read. Yep. It, J. Tolkien is harder to read. And it's mm-hmm. like some people, that'll that'll dissuade some people. Some people will power through and it's like the juice is worth the squeeze at the end, uh, but it's harder. So people prefer J.K. Rowling. I'm one of them. I, I would prefer to read Rowling. Dude, I'll tell you, I... In two weeks, I'm on book five. Like, I've just been tearing through these books. Yeah. I don't want to listen or watch anything else. It's just like, it's so easy, so good, and so entertaining. Sometimes less is more. And that's the difference between J.K. Rowling and, and J.R. Tolkien. And it's not like complete pablum bullshit either. Like, oh. it's still good, yes. you know? Um, it's still got substance and quality. But, it, you know, it's just fun. You, you know what? So, you talk about it being immersive. And I think that... That experience about you more more easily being able to um, what, what's the phrase they always use? Um, what's the word? Oh, damn it! When something is impossible, that you're watching something impossible, and you put aside the impossibility of it suspension to enjoy it. Suspension of disbelief. Suspension of disbelief. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so it's it's easier to do that with rolling than it is with Tolkien. And the reason is because J.K. Rowling's world is this far away from ours. Yeah. Tolkien's is a mile from ours. Yeah. So it's like there's orcs and dragons and dark magical forces and stuff, and, and that's all that's all way far away from reality, in a manner of speaking. Where J.K. Rowling is like modern day London, and the the real world that you know is out there, but underneath it is this is this slightly different fantasy world that's so close to real life. You know, the Ministry of Magic is just like the, yeah. you know, just like Congress, right? So it's like all of the components are there to, to make it believable. It's so close to reality. And I think that is what gets people. It, you, what you want to do is make, make a, a world that's just as believable as possible, as complete as possible. And Tolkien had the completeness. In mm-hmm. fact, he had the completeness way For more sure. than Ro- Rowling did. But Rowling's was more gripping. And I think that's why, because it's this close to what it's re- really like, to, to, you know, in the world. Yep, yep. I think that's I think that's a good point. I uh, wait a minute. What was I gonna say? Something about how handsome I am. Yeah, well, that that too. But uh, no, whatever it was, it's gone. All right. So, all right. So we did The Witcher. Did oh, some, you know what? Yeah. I did have a good idea for a story. Oh, and it would be like. Uh, it would be a story written in the universe of Harry Potter. Ooh. And it would be... Okay, so you know how there's the muggle world, and then there's the magic world, and there's separacy, you know? Like, they they have the platform nine, nine and three quarters, and they, you know, it's like separate. Right. Um, uh, I, I, want, I, I think it would be funny to write a story from the perspective of a muggle who knows... That it's there, and he's like trying to tell people he's like a conspiracy theorist for magic. You know, he's like Alex Jones. He's like, they they got schools for these kids. They're sending them there in their wands. You know, that would be great, man. Dude, that would be great. 
J.K. Rowling, if you're listening, that would be the one. That would be a good story. Because, because oh, can you imagine? That would be so good. And and you can imagine any number of scenarios where he's like spying on people, seeing them disappear into the platform, yeah, trying to figure yeah. out how to get in, you know, and maybe manages to get in. And then what? Then what kind of shit's going to happen to this guy? It, that sounds like a great story, man. That's it would be awesome. I love it. Maybe he pretends to be a wizard while he's there, and he's shit scared. And get oh man, that sounds so good. Yeah, dude. I got a recommendation for you when you're done. Oh, no, no, no I'm done. Um, I, I want to talk about Jim Dale, but so, but, but I want to give oh, you my, yeah, I'm going to give you my recommendation. If if you enjoy the Harry Potter books, especially listening to them on audio, when you're done, I want you to your next Audible credit, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Oh yeah, you told me about them before. I, I you should listen. Did Jim Dale read that? No. Oh, okay. But you should definitely listen to it when you're done, because I did very very shortly after, and being able to connect those two worlds to me because Jonathan Strange happens earlier it happens like in, during the during Napoleon's time oh. so you can you can put and it happens in the UK so you can put yourself in the mind of the Harry Potter universe but back in time and imagine it as a cohesive universe so that's what I did I would be curious to hear what you think alright alright Jim Dale it's great he's a, a true ta- truly talented voice actor oh my god um, I've listened to other like fiction audiobooks and whenever a male reader does a female voice it's like kind of cringy yeah. it's like oh god it's really not that bad when Jim Dale does it he's pretty good yeah um uh he's great with the accents yes uh the one thing he does that like rubs me the wrong way a little bit is uh what's the how am i trying to what what am i trying to say here uh just He'll put a weird, like, inflection on something. Like, mm. it is not how I would have read a character. Like, the way that he chose to, like, put the emphasis on their voice or, you know. Oh, yes. Uh, he, like, he, he'll he make somebody say something like they seem surprised when, like, I would not have read that they were surprised oh, there. Oh, gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, something like that. All right, so for those of you who don't know, <laughs> Jim Dale does the audio for the audio books of the Harry Potter. Yeah. Series and he's probably done others. I would imagine he's so good, but it was my first introduction to him. And he makes those audiobooks. He makes those audiobooks. Yeah, he really is like, something special. Like, that dude's great. Yeah, whoever was involved with with picking him for that, you did a great job. Yeah. Um, if you haven't if you if you haven't listened to it, I'd encourage you to. That guy's that good. I'm on book five, Order of the Phoenix, and in this book, he's changed things up. The first four. He did things a certain way, and now he's starting to do things a little bit differently. Uh, like, he changed Arthur Weasley. He changed his voice completely. Mm. Um, he also, in the first four books, also always said Voldemort. Yes. The way that you yes. would say it if you were from Britain or France. Voldemort. Right. Um, in this, he start in Order of the Phoenix, he starts saying Voldemort. Interesting. Um, and I never... The first time I read through it and watched the movies and whatnot, I never really thought about the fact that it would be Voldemort. Yeah, um, I never did either. Yeah, and I think it's funny that Voldemort and Dumbledore kind of rhyme. Oh like a, man, that's interesting. Yeah. See, I didn't know that. I wonder if, yeah, I mean, I wonder if that would have been J.K. Rowling's intention for it for it to be Voldemort because you've got the Master of Good and the Master of Evil, and they have this complementary nature, just like Harry Potter ends up having with Voldemort. That's an interesting man. That's interesting. Yeah, man. You like a you like a. <laughs> you need to, you know. Dude, I want to listen to these books again. I read, like, uh, I just think that um, 
There's a lot to pick up on. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So I want to say a couple things about Jim Dale. Um, and it, it, you guys should listen to it. But this is what is so impressive to me. The number of characters in Harry Potter. You have to imagine. You got Harry. You got Ginny. You got Hermione. You got, you know, all the, you got the Weasley brothers. There's like three or four of them. Yeah. You got all the teachers at Hogwarts. There's so many characters. And, and the, there's the narrator. When, when it's nobody speaking, then it's the narrator's voice. Mm-hmm. So Jim Dale, he does subtle changes to his voice. And everybody has their own unique, like Hagrid is so great. Yeah. He like puts on that thick, that his voice gets deeper. You, you can see the bigness of, of the guy when he, when he speaks. And it's subtle. The, the differences between Jenny and Hermione or whatever, they're so subtle that that's what why I think you don't get up, upset so much with the girl voices. Because it's not like he puts on an overly feminine voice and raises the pitch. It's a subtle change. And he keeps it consistent throughout the books. And he never fucks up. You know, if he's, if he's supposed to be Jenny, he's Jenny. If he's supposed to be the narrator, he's the narrator. Well, I'm sure editing has a lot to do with that. <laughs> I just think he's perfect. He is great. I'm not, too, you know, he's fantastic. But I, I've been thinking that when I'm listening to it. It's like, I, it, there's no way he's just reading these this, like, straight through. He'll read, like, a sentence probably ten times, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, it's probably, yeah. It's probably a tremendous amount of work. Yeah. Maybe not, though. You know, I could be wrong. Maybe he's just a pro. Well, you know what? You know how like people in America, and I'm one of these people, so maybe it's just me, but when you have a British accent, you just sound more eloquent, you sound smarter, you sound you know more poetic when you speak. I'm not, I'm not impressed with British people. I mean, come I'm, on. I'm over it. <laughs> I, I'm totally over it. Dude. You, but, I, I remember being there. I really do, but, but I, not anymore. Right. I'm... I'm the illusion is gone with British people for me. But you understand the point. You understand the point I'm making. British people are stupid. But you understand the point I'm making. I guess. But I would like to. I would like to clear people of that illusion as well. <laughs> British people are stupid, just like American people. Yes, I agree. Fuck them. And and when you hear that, there's that particular type of accent, like the brava that you just oh, yeah, you just yeah. referenced. It just seems like an inner city London accent to me, and I'm probably wrong uh, because it's so different from like the the um, uh, aristocratic accent that I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, but there's a guy, his name is, we talked about him on the podcast. His name is um, Ian McGilchrist. He's yeah. that psych, psych, psychologist guy that wrote the, the book about the hemispheres of the brain. Um, he has the most <sighs> beautiful way of speaking. It's like he's, he's got that advantage because he's got that British accent and it's the right British accent. It's, the, it's that lovely uh, aristocratic accent. And he's an older man, so he speaks carefully, deliberately, slowly. And I, I just love it, man. I, every yeah. time that guy speaks, even when he was giving an interview on a podcast recently, off the cuff, not prepared, it sounds like a Victorian novel. Like this guy, just off the cuff, come up with, with the most beautiful sentence structures, the most perfect and descriptive word choices. It would take me time to craft those sentences, you know? And this guy just fucking speaks that way. It's amazing. Yep. That's an aside, though. I just I just like British accents. Yeah, I don't know go, Chris. Um, so it's funny that you picked Hagrid uh, because <laughs> one, uh, one combination of people, I've noticed that uh, Jim Dale does 
they're almost indistinguishable is Hagrid and in the fourth book, the Goblet of Fire, they have the Triwizard Tournament. Yeah. And there's one of the um, ministry people who's a part of it. His name is Ludo Bagman. And he is uh, he used to be a Quidditch player. He used to be a professional <laughs> Quidditch player. Now he's in the ministry. And his voice is almost identical to Hagrid's. Mm. They're like really, really hard to distinguish. Them. Mm. Yeah, I did, I did remember that now that you bring it up. There's some yeah. voices like that. But not many. Yeah, I mean, he's that guy really is incredible. Um, all right, so there was like a bunch of other stuff I wanted to talk about, but we have to exhaust this Harry Potter topic because... Uh, what else is there to talk about? Well, I've got lots, but right. but I want to talk... I want to tell you... No, I meant about Harry Potter. Two, two things that I want to tell you. My favorite one of the books was... Which one did you say you're on right now? Order of the Phoenix. What was, what was the one before that? Goblet of Fire. Okay. Which was my... Not my favorite. Yeah, yeah. So maybe... Although, which which is the one where Harry Potter gets um, he gets oh, what's the fucking guy's name with the, with the dark hair that dies? Serious? No, not serious. The the fucking Snape. villain Snape. Snape um, wasn't a villain. Well, he he was until the end. Yeah, true. Yeah. So so Snape's book. Spoiler alert. Harry Potter gets his book, and there's like the spells in the book, and yeah, all the, that's all Half the cheats. Blood Prince. Half Blood Prince was my favorite one of the books. It's a good one. Um, but my favorite. Storyline was the dynamic in the Deathly Hollows, where Harry Potter is looking for the Hollows, and the whole story behind the Deathly Hollows. That mythological story is so tremendous. The fact that J.K. Rowling invented the myth, and you know, like the tales of Beetle the Bard, she invented all those myths that go behind the stories. And I wonder if she wrote wrote those after the fact, or if she had in mind what those stories were when they're referenced in the books, because. I don't want to get too far off track because I'll lose my train of thought. But there's this dynamic where Harry Potter knows that he's going to have to fight Voldemort. And he knows that he's no match for Voldemort. So he's terrified and desperate. And he has two choices. Does he pursue the path of the Hallows? Does he go and get the Death Stick, the most powerful wand that always wins, and the, and the stone that brings people back to life, and the, and the cloak of immortality? If he can get those three things together... He'll be the most powerful wizard. Then he'll be able to defeat Voldemort. That's one path. The other path is finding and destroying the Horcruxes so that Voldemort will be vulnerable that even a regular wizard like Harry has the possibility of actually killing him. And there's two paths. One of them is like an offensive path, like an aggressive path. And one of them is more of a subtle path, a, a more difficult path. You know, and it's like, you imagine in the the mythology it's the rainbow trail like you're on, right right you're on you're on your uh, you're on your canoe and you come to a fork in the river and one has got the rainbow and the sunshine and the birds and the other one's got the dark you know the leaves are off the trees and alligators, the alligators and howling wolves and you got to decide which which path do you take I just love that so much because I don't know which path I would take you know yeah and I want to say. I would I would go the Hallows route and be the badass and go fuck that motherfucker up. And I don't know if that's the right decision, you know? Yeah. I like to think that I would do that too, but I don't know if it's the right decision either. It's like, what if they're setting a trap for you to do just that? Or if you do that, are you not falling in the same pattern as Voldemort? You're going you're you're you know what I mean? You want the power for yourself. You're going to use it to destroy the bad guy, but then you become corrupted by the power. That's what happened to Voldemort, you know? Yeah, it's also what happened to Frodo Baggins. Mm, and that's also what happened to Frodo Baggins. So, 
take that for what it's worth. It also happened to Jesus Christ when he was tempted in the desert by it the devil. It didn't happen to him, though. He, no. he resisted. No, yeah. He yeah. said, go fuck yourself, devil. Yeah, he went the Horcrux route. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I so don't know, man. That's all my Harry Potter stuff. I'm exhausted as the Harry Potter reservoir over here. Um, Do I have anything else on old HP? Not right now. I think we, we, we can revisit it. All right. I got some political stuff. But before I get into it, I want to tell you about uh, my weekend. Okay. Because I had a hangover. Oh man. You know, I'm getting I'm getting a little older, and uh, hangovers are getting more serious. So I just wanted to tell you about this, and I'll let, let the audience overhear this this part of the conversation. So we had a friend visit from out of town. He he came from uh, Tennessee, and we just had one one evening with him. So we went out to dinner. We had a couple of beers at dinner, and then we. Um, Stopped on the way home. We had a couple more. Then we came home and we we had a couple more before we went to bed. So, as you can imagine, that's a lot of drinking. And um, I, I'm not a big drinker, and I have been more lately than normal. But I'm trying to get away from it because I'm putting on, putting on weight, man. So anyway, uh, it's Christmas beer season. So that's what it I was. Is. That's what I was drinking. Yeah. That's not what you want to drink all night. No. And I didn't. Didn't put two and two together, so I'm drinking like eight percent beers all night. And then my daughter decided she didn't want to sleep, so Ouch. so I was not feeling well. Um, I was like awake from four in the morning on. This so was last night or the night uh, before? No, this was uh, this was Friday night. Okay, for going into Saturday. I remember waking up every time I would turn over, like change positions in bed. I was getting dizzy, and that continued to happen all the way until the sun was up. Damn. So I drank too much, man, and it, you know, it, it, I suffered for it. It was, I, you know, yesterday was it was a rough day. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing: I had symptoms from this hangover that were like, there's there's people out there that are like, this guy needs this guy's gonna need some help. But but just you know, I'm prefacing all this. I'm not a, I'm not a big drinker. This this doesn't happen to me often, and this is a discouragement from ever drinking this much again. But I'm getting older, so you know, it's like. I used to escape the hangovers, and this time I didn't. And it, it wasn't like it was a mild hangover. I f- was messed up, man. And what struck me as weird was like the the mental symptoms, like a fogginess, like a really thick mental fogginess all day long to the point where I was like making bad decisions. Like yeah. I, I was coming into the kitchen, and it's like I left the refrigerator door open. Like I didn't close the refrigerator door. Yeah. Like I, I couldn't finish a task. Um, what else did I write down? Um, where's my notes? Uh, oh, here it is. Yeah, fogginess, um, short-term memory. I kept forgetting what I was doing, uh, you know, like while I was doing it. Yeah. Like that happens to people. We forget why we came into a room. We forget what, what we were doing. I was forgetting it while I was doing it. Yeah. So I, I was very concerned, man. Um, it was It was scary. You know, so I like hydrated and I was drinking electrolytes and everything and I took some Tylenol and I felt a little better than I felt a little worse. Then I woke up this morning and I'm fine, but I never experienced hangover symptoms like that before. And it was just like, golly, man, people say alcohol is bad for you and we all understand it's bad for you. It's going to destroy your liver, whatever, whatever. I was messed up mentally, you know, like to the point where I, I wanted to, I wanted to talk to you about it. Like Jesus. I don't fuck with the alcohol anymore, man. Like, uh, I mean, every now and then, but 
I've never, I haven't had a bad hangover like that in my, you know, my accelerated years. Uh, only when I was a young kid did I drink like that. Um, and I, I'm not, I'm going to avoid that. I'm, I'm not doing that. That sounds awful. It, it makes me like more empathetic about older people, like being forgetful and stuff. Cause that's, that's something that can be frustrating when you're, when you're going to stop drinking so damn much, <laughs> you know, but just, that's the thing is like when we get older and our brain starts to deteriorate, is that what it's going to be like every day? Yeah. You know, I think, I think weed gets a bad rap, man. Cause I personally smoke a bunch of weed and <laughs> it's, you know, I, my, my memory seems fine. Listen, man, I don't think those symptoms I had from drinking too much, I don't think that's anything at all like what you would feel from smoking pot. Yeah. You know, it was a different thing. Although, to be fair, I, like I said, I smoke a bunch of weed, so weed doesn't really have that drastic of an effect on me anymore. If you take a person who's never smoked weed before and you give them two, <laughs> two giant bong rips, they're, yeah, yeah. they're not going to be good to go. That's true. You and, know? Yep, yep. I remember those days. That, that would be... Subjectivity. That would be worse, I think. But then you add then you add the headache and the and the just queasy stomach to it. It's just a bad time, you guys. Yeah. So anyway, I won't be drinking that much beer again anytime soon. Uh, I you know I've actually been thinking that I would like to drink again, but I just get worried with like the gout and shit like that. Yeah, you know, I've had some flare ups of what I think could potentially be gout. I've never been diagnosed. Hmm. Actually, I got tested for uric acid once, and they said that it was it was normal. So. Okay. Um, but I've had flare-ups of something that I think might be gout, and I just do not like that. That's the worst. Well, if you if you want to drink, man, you should be able to. But everything in moderation. That's yeah. the, that's the lesson for the audience. Oh yeah, everything in moderation. Um, I remember I went to the doctor, and I uh, they were asked. You know, they ask you a bunch of questions about your lifestyle, um, mm-hmm. and uh, they said, "How often do you drink?" And I said, "Very." Very rarely, but when I do, I, I might have like you know five or six, something like that. And uh, that was the the nurse who was doing the asking of the questions. When the doctor came in, he told me that I need to s- s- drink less. I was like, dude, I barely drink at all. Like, yeah. I mean, I didn't say that. I was just like, I just whatever. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was like, what? Do you, I, I barely drink at all. See, I would have I would have said something. Yeah. I'd have been like, no. <laughs> did you not read my chart, or did the nurse not put it in right? Yeah. Um. So I had to buy a car battery, um, and so did, that run? Yeah. Well, that's what that's what I want to bring up, man. Right. This is going to get into the. This is going to start the political part of our segment today. Okay. I went to go buy a car battery. Let's go, Brandon. Last time I bought one, um, I don't know, man, a couple years ago, it was eighty bucks, and I thought, God damn, that's a lot of money for a car battery. Okay. I thought it was two hundred dollars yesterday. Two hundred. I'm dude. not kidding you, dude. Two hundred dollars for a car fucking battery. Fucking ridiculous. And I asked the guy at the car parts place. I'm like, "That's." I was expecting you to tell me eighty bucks, not not a hundred and eighty bucks. Like that. That's a lot of money. And it was like one ninety seven out the door. Um, he said he's noticed prices going up. You know, with inflation, we're seeing that. He said, but with batteries, he's like, it's it's been ridiculous. Yeah. So the prices of those car batteries are going up like bonkers. What do you think of that, man? It's scary. It is scary. Um. I mean, it's it's car batteries right now, which, you know, you're lucky to not need that often. But you know what happens when it's uh, when it's bread, you know? Yeah, exactly. I read somewhere, maybe it was on Twitter. Um, some, somebody said something like, "People always think things are always going to get better 
Mm-hmm. You know, think, things are always going to grow. You know, that there's ne- things are never going to go backwards, and that's it. Well, it's just wrong. Yeah, and it's, it's such a dangerous assumption, and that's that's what people assume. You know, we can grow ourselves out of debt. We can, you know, uh, we'll just continue to push through this. You know, uh, what do you think about the Oxford High School, Michigan shooting? The kid, the high school shooting. I Hold on, wait. Go ahead. The parents. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't I don't know much about it. I've only uh, I haven't been keeping up with it. I've heard a little. I mean, I've heard like maybe the outline of the story, uh, and it's. Well, why don't you like give me the highlights? Yeah. So ba- so basically, I, I didn't re- I didn't read into it, but basically what what I heard what everyone else heard, you know, guy guy gets a gun from his from his house from that belonged to his parents, comes to high school and and kills people, and that's a terrible tragedy. They look into it, and they the the details that have come out that I've heard are that the kid was uh, had a meeting with his parents in the in the in the principal or whatever. There was something going on right around the time this happened. Other than that, the kid has no record of any of anything like this. And of course, that kid is in jail, and of course, they're trying him as an adult. Now, I don't know if I think that's. I don't know. I don't have enough information to say whether that is appropriate, but they immediately put an arrest warrant out for the parents, mm-hmm. and then they made a big fuss about the parents running, fleeing. And I don't know what the details are. It seems to me that the police couldn't find them. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that they fled or were hiding, but that's what the news is making it out like. And I'm thinking to myself, it's a terrible tragedy. Why are the parents under arrest? The parents didn't do anything wrong. Now, you could question their parenting, but it's not illegal to be a bad parent. And I, I was just like, what in the fuck? We're so preoccupied with punishing somebody for a public event like this that not only are we going to try this kid as an adult, we're going to go after the parents. And I don't know what the charges are, but I think they're related to murder. Um, so anyway, I just thought that was the most terrible use of... of the justice system, I can imagine, to unfairly punish parents that are... Can you imagine those parents right now? Can you imagine how terrible they must feel? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty crazy. I, I think... So from what I understand, they called... The, the school called the parents in uh, and told them, your kid wrote us like a, a threatening note or something like that. Okay. Um, we want you to pull him out of the school. Uh, and the parents refused. Mm. Um, but I just don't understand. Like, if they if they wanted him gone, why didn't they expel him? Yeah, Were they not able to? Um, in which case, like, I don't know. I, I don't know that the parents take the full blame because they didn't want pull him out of the school when the, the school suggested they did. I mean, it doesn't look good. Like from a publicity standpoint, it looks terrible for his parents. If that's sure. true, but is it illegal? Yeah, you know? no, I, that that's exactly, I'm with you on that. It's not, um, it's not illegal to be a bad parent. Yep. And there's, there's a principle in law. It's called contributory negligence. This yeah. comes up in, insu- in the insurance world. It's like you have a certain responsibility and if you don't take, measures to ensure this thing doesn't happen you're partly responsible and so there's a that's in that's part of the legal code contributory negligence is a thing so you might say that the parents were somehow responsible because of negligence but i don't fucking believe that man 
I don't believe that. And it's like, it's one thing if like he's a kid and you're saying, you know, somebody's got to be punished and we can't punish him because he's a minor, but they're trying him as an adult. Yeah. So he's, he's going to be in jail for the rest of his life. Yeah. You know? And he, and I'm, you know, maybe he should be, but another thing that looks bad for his parents is apparently, um, and who knows how much of this is true. I don't fucking know. Uh, apparently they bought him the gun. Okay. It was his gun and they bought it for him. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I honestly, pretty much any time a school shooting or any kind of mass shooting gets publicized heavy, I, I mean, I'm not saying it's a false flag event. I believe that they, they happened. Uh, but I think that the amount of publicity, publicity they get is ridiculous. Yeah. And it's all about scaring people yeah. on guns. It's, yeah. You know? It's, it's not an accident. What stories get, you yeah. know, attention? That's not an accident. That's yeah. uh, that's intentional. Um, so I, I'm not, I'm not worried about it. You know, I think it's uh, it's sad, sure, but I just don't think it's really anything that we need to be that concerned about. I, I was, I, I, listen, I don't think that, you know, there's like a a risk of more shootings in schools. I I, I think these are random events that happen for all sorts of different reasons, and you know, parenting is certainly a part of it. And you can criticize them for, for all sorts of things, for you know maybe not keeping the gun safe, maybe buying it for them in the first place, like you said, maybe you know not taking this thing with the school seriously. You could you can blame them for any of this, and maybe it's all justified. Yeah. But is it illegal? Yep. Fuck no, it's not. Why are these parents being prosecuted? That doesn't make any sense to me. Like, listen, um, when I was a kid. I grew up watching G.I. Joe's and He-Man and a little boy. I liked explosions and, and gore and, yeah. and guns. I loved that shit. Titties. <laughs> and I drew guns and I drew army men and I drew battles. I drew tanks and with fucking fake little, little you know, bullets. I, I did that. Hell yeah. I would never have harmed a hair on anybody's head. Does that, you know what I mean? And yeah. that, that's the kind of shit that they're bringing up about this kid. Like, it's evidence that he was crazy or a psychopath. Boys will be boys, you guys. Yeah, dude. I'm not saying boys will be will be boys justifies killing anybody or bringing a gun to school. But Jeffrey Dahmer was a boy, dude. I mean, <laughs> let's get over it. Point is, it's, it, it's not a sign of anything wrong that a boy, you know, that guns and explosions and things captivate a, a young boy. That shit is just normal. So what that he's dissecting animals in the backyard? He's a boy. He's he might, not that big of a deal. He might be crazy. <laughs> he might be a serial killer. Or he might be the, the world's best surgeon to be. True you that. Know? True that. He found his calling early. Right? Yeah. I don't know, man. Um, all right. How about... How about Russia and how about Russia invasion of Ukraine and China invasion of Taiwan? Both of these things are in the news repeatedly over the last couple of couple of weeks. Yeah. What do you think of that? Did they happen? No. But yeah. there's the but do you think they're going to happen? You think they're likely? You think they're scare tactics? I don't or know. Political I, chess? What what's happening here? I so those are some things uh, specifically with China and Taiwan. Um, that I think that they like like to drag out just to like make people paranoid. Um, although who knows, it might happen eventually. But they do that with like Iran too, with the uh, the nuclear program. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> yep. It's like see, they're nu uh, Iran has been developing a nuclear program for like a hundred years. It's like they're they're really slow at <laughs> developing this nuclear program. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 
I just don't know. I, I don't know what to take seriously. It's the same thing with everything. I don't know what to trust and well, what like, to... So I don't know enough of the details, but it's like if China flies a ship, a plane, a military plane, yeah. over Taiwan's airspace, like that's scary, and it's probably a little bit of a flex, but is that as, is that as threatening as 175,000 troops on the border of, U- of Ukraine? Because that's yeah. what's there right now. Yeah, That's true. a fucking army, dude. And why the hell does Putin do that from time to time? Like, what, what are you doing? You want to keep the Ukraine scared? The Ukraine doesn't pose any threat to fucking Russia. It's not about the Ukraine. What's it about? It's about NATO. It's about that alliance with Europe that is, like, uh, pretty much completely anti-Russia. I, I you know, I, I'm, I don't really ha- blame Putin, to be honest with you. First of all, that area of Ukraine is, like, hugely ethnically Russian. They want to be a part of Russia. Um, and I mean, if Russia, I mean, it happened with Cuba. If, you know, if they had a a base on Cuba and they were, they would be pissed off and that's, we, we are surrounding them, you know? Mm. See, that's interesting because when you say that there's two things happening in my head at once. One, one of them is saying it makes sense. And if Mm. I were arbitrarily being told that I belong to a country called Ukraine and uh, they're all Slavic people and they have their own government and language and all that. And I feel more akin to Russian and I speak Russian and I live right on the border. Mm -hmm. I'm sympathetic to the idea that they should, there should be some avenue for those people to be Russian, whether that means going over the border into Russia, whether that means, you know, that land being rezoned, whatever. I don't know that Russia pays for the land and they become part of that nation. But that there's those things go through my head. The other thing that goes through my head is World War II. It's appeasement. It's what happened with Hitler. Hitler said, oh, the people in Czechoslovakia speak German. They're German people. They want to be German. And they, and they just did that. And they took over country after country under that justification until the rest of the world said, Poland does not speak German, Hitler. We, we, <laughs> enough is enough. You know? Yeah. Um, that said, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong or illegal about Russian troops and Russian territory. And even in just because there's 175,000 troops close to Ukraine, it doesn't exactly matter. It, should, it shouldn't be a threat on the surface. They're allowed to be there, you know? I think that in Putin's mind, it is the response to a threat. Okay. Interesting. And I don't necessarily disagree with Putin. Okay. Um, yeah. Interesting. Um, okay. Well, I, that's interesting, man. I didn't expect that. <laughs> Uh, what else do I have on the political front? Oh, COVID concentration camps. <laughs> yeah, I heard about that a little bit. Yeah. What did you hear? And did you see the, any I videos? Just, no, I didn't see any videos. Okay. I just heard that they're, you know, it's an idea they're tossing around. Oh, it's implemented. Yeah. So there's people in COVID concentration camps in Australia. And there was two people who escaped from them and they had an international manhunt for them. To, to capture them up in nets and bring them back to the COVID concentration camps. This stuff is exciting. <laughs> this is like a movie, you know? This is like a Katniss Everdeen, you know? Absolutely, it's like a movie. So so that was something that when it was said, people people said, oh, that's not real. That, you know, that's not, that, it's not realistic. That can't happen. And they use other language. To, they're not going to call them COVID concentration camps. They call them something nicer than that. Yeah. But there are people there, lots of people. They're there against their will. They're not allowed to leave. And many of them don't have COVID. And that's fucking weird, man. And it's scary. Why are they there? 
I don't exactly know, but I did see a video on Twitter from somebody there filming on their phone and putting it on the internet. And what it was was a lady sitting in a, what looked like a trailer, like a single wide. And she seemed to be in a community of single wides. Like they're just, it lined up people in this. Dude, you give me a single wide and cable and I'm in. (laughs) I'll just go. (laughs) You could see the fence to the right. So you could tell that these these single wides, they're, they're they're all fenced in. And then there's like five policemen standing in front of this lady's trailer. And, and you can see there's like tape, like white tape and yellow tape sectioning off the different areas. And she's saying, I just want to, I just want to walk over to, to the fence. You can see it. It's like you throw a stone at it right there. And they're like, ma'am, ma'am. And they're telling her, you know, like cops do, um, that she can't. And that if she does, there's a $5,000 fine. Jesus. If she steps one foot off of the balcony of her COVID concentration camp trailer, she's going to be fined $5,000. So that's what's going on in Australia right now. That's insane. And I don't know why there would be people there that aren't infected. And maybe there are people that recovered and they're, and they're being kept there for a certain period of time before they're released. Or I don't know. I don't know. But there's some serious violations of civil liberties and human rights. And it's happening in the Western world. And it's fucking terrifying. It's happening in Austria. It's happening in Germany. Mandatory vaccines. Everyone's going to get... Everyone's going to get a vaccine. I don't know if it's Germany or Austria, one of those places. I think it was Germany. Military, military is going to come to your door and knock on the door and say, here's your needle. Can you fucking imagine that? It's fucked up, dude. I can't even believe that that's possible. I don't believe that it's going to happen. I don't believe that. I hope not. I, I, I mean, maybe it's just wishful thinking on my part, but I, I don't believe that it's going to happen. If it happens here, there are places where it will be successful. And then there are places where people will die, and I'm and I'm and and people will die everywhere. I think people will probably die everywhere, but a lot of people in Texas. Oh yeah, <clears throat> um, it's going to be it, it, like for that for that reason alone. I hope it never happens, but I can't put it outside of the realm of possibility. And even our government is not putting it outside of the realm of possibility. Yeah, you know our federal government. I think uh, you know, like Biden has had some wannabe legislation for these vaccine mandates and stuff and they've gotten shot down by courts and whatnot um i just don't i don't know i don't think it's going to happen i'm just trying to be optimistic i guess you know i hope that it doesn't happen i'm not taking it i mean yeah i'm not taking it never i mean i i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna say never because what i object to is the fact that well, two things, that, that it hasn't gone through the testing that it's necessary for safety and because uh, it's so narrowly focused that, yeah. that it's, only, it's only recognizing the spike protein and that's what keeps mutating. How effective can this vaccine possibly be if the only thing it's, it's designed to recognize is one protein in, on this virus? And, and, the, and the Omicron variant that we're so concerned about has 35 mutations on that protein. Did you hear... That, you know, it was whatever the, the variant was before Omicron. Delta. Yeah. The next one is supposed to be XI is the name of the uh, the alphabet letter. Mm. Um, and that's too close to Xi Jinping's name, XI. Oh, uh, wow. So the, the WHO skipped it and went to Omicron. Oh, my God. Isn't that fucked? Is that real? Yeah. So you bring that up, and it, and I just saw a video the other day of a interview. It was in the UK, so I don't know if like I can't 
vouch for the network or anything because it was the UK, but they were talking about it and um, one guy, the guy that was like the, the main guy, um, he, they were talking about China and he, he kept dancing around um, putting any blame on China to the point where the other people in the dialogue were like, What's up? Pointing it out and asking him about it directly, and he just kept dancing around it, kept dancing around it. And at the end, the guy was like, "What concerns me? What concerns me more than anything is your your complete inability to uh, to put any responsibility on China, to say anything bad about China." Yeah. And then you hear about you know, like what happened with John Cena apologizing. Yep. <sighs> it's weird shit, dude. And the WHO said, hey, "We're going to skip over XI." Unbelievable. Do you remember? What happened when, I forget who it was, somebody was interviewing this person from the WHO, and they, uh, man, now I'm kind of forgetting what happened. Basically, whoever this person was asked this person from the WHO a question that put them in a weird situation. Oh, yeah. And they, like, disconnected the call. I think that was... At first, they were ignoring it. They, like, didn't... They just deliberately didn't answer it, and then the guy they asked again, and he hung up. He like I think disconnected the I, I think call. that was specifically about Taiwan. Yeah, well, I think it was. Too. I think it was. Yeah. yeah, unbelievable, man. I don't Fucked know what. Up, listen, I don't know what that means. I don't know what the implications are, but what it implies is that there's so much money connecting the Chinese government to business and government entities across the world, but but particularly in the United States, to the point where. We're all we're all shit scared of losing the hand that feeds that we're bending over backwards in all sorts of weird ways for a communist government that we're in principle supposed to be, you know, po- yeah, polar opposite of it. We're supposed to be objecting to on 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 you know principle, a communist government. Yeah. Jesus, man. Yeah. Part part of me thinks it's scary and bad, and part of me thinks it's good because there's the adage that when goods cross borders, armies don't. And so as long as we're trading with China, the more economically integrated we are with China, the less of a threat we are to one another. I think there's truth in that, too. So I don't know, man. Trade it. I don't want to be under anyone's thumb, and a trading relationship shouldn't be like that. So if we're scared of China, something's wrong. Yep. I got one more thing on my list, Kyle. All right, what is it? Um, an article about... So we, we talked about Austria. We talked about... Uh, Australia, and we talked about Germany as far as these these COVID things going on. You remember seeing some of the protests in Italy, um, some of those large protests. Mm-hmm. So I've been seeing some of those stories, which are really heartening for me. Saw one in Greece. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the article said there was a protest in Greece because in Greece they have something called, no, no, in Italy they have something called Green Pass. That's what those protests were in Italy, where they're required to show their have their green pass. That's their proof of va- vaccination, their card. Yeah, yeah. Uh, show me your papers, right? That's what that is. Um, in Greece, there they have similar uh, uh, re- restrictions in um, um, you know re- restrictions about gathering in public. Yeah. And talk about COVID vaccine vaccine mandates and all that stuff that's happening all over the world. In Greece, they had public demonstrations, just like they did in Italy, just like they did in Australia. What they did in Greece was the police brought in water cannons and they blasted the protesters with water cannons and chemical irritants. They didn't say what it was, but you can imagine tear gas, that kind of stuff. The police come in, they shoot their citizens that are peacefully protesting with water cannons and tear gas. Water and grease do not mix. (laughs) 
so that's fucked up. That was my attempt to end on a happy note. Uh, I, that joke, I, I hit it with that joke. Jesus Christ, man! Can you believe that? <laughs> that is crazy. It's fucked up. Can you? Next, they're gonna be sicking dogs on them. Bunch of John Stamos looking motherfuckers out there. Bunch of good looking hairy creatures. Yeah. That's all I have, man. That's all I got too. I don't know. All right. So um, I guess we'll end with my only, with some of my only Greek that I know. I like to say good night and good luck, but I don't know how to say good luck. I can say good night though. Kalenikta. Well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know. It's not easy work. Thinking. It's hard and full of uncertainties, but I'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together. Here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze. See what I did there? Let's find out together in the next episode.